0: This season of Well and Good with Art and Matilda is brought to you by Subaru. We love Subarus, and we think they're the perfect car for Kiwis.
1: Indeed they are, Art, because Kiwis are doers, right? And so are Subaru drivers. We're the kind of people who are always pushing to sneak that little bit more out of life. We stay out surfing for that one last wave, we sneak in a trip down to the river for a swim, and we stay at the beach eating our fish and chumps until the very last speck of light is gone. So if you want to do more, do it with Subaru. Hello, hello, hello.
0: You stole that from the Hame Shenanee podcast.
1: Oh, I totally did. I didn't even realize I did. How embarrassing. Anyway, (laughs) so today we have on the podcast Dr. Nick Gill. Nick is a bloody legend. He's a professional strength and conditioning coach and an associate professor in human performance who's probably best known for his work in code, would you say? Yeah,
0: code. Specifically, the All Blacks.
1: Yeah, so big time code.
0: Yeah, so he's currently the strength and conditioning coach for the All Blacks and has been for quite a number of years. Um, He is incredibly onto it with anything to do with performance, um, but also with nutrition as well. And he's just uh, released a new book called Health Yourself, which is a one-stop handbook to a healthier, more energetic you. And it is a really good read. We've both had a read, haven't we?
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Who doesn't want to be more energetic?
0: Not me. Wait. It's no negative question. Oh, wait, I do want to be more You interested. do, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Put me down for do.
1: <laughs> so we sat down to chat with Nick about his awesome career with the boys in black, how to manage jet lag, and his weekend warriors. And we also had a good yarn about his book, Health Yourself. It really is a must-buy. So uh, enjoy the chat. Let's get into it. Thanks so much for coming to chat to us.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: So for those of you who might not know who Nick is, um, he is the strength and conditioning coach for the All Blacks. Um, um, Amongst other things, you're also a avocado and kiwi fruit grower. Is that right?
2: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into working with the All Blacks? Because that's obviously pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, Long, long time ago, I... I was, how old was I, 17 and I was finishing school, loved sport, thought, well, I don't really want to do anything else other than sport and exercise and it was the only thing I was good at. So I went to university down Dunedin, Dunedin, um, studied physical education, uh, finished that study, still didn't feel like I knew anything to get a job or do something I really had a passion for, so did another three years study doing a post-PhD. Uh, over in Australia, which was in exercise physiology, and then um, come back to New Zealand and got a teaching role um, at a polytech and sort of volunteered to help with the Waikato rugby team, and that was 2001, and yeah, each year I just got offered more and more work and pulled into more teams and, yeah, evolved to being with the, the best team in the world.
0: Wow. Mm. That's so cool mate. The best team in the world mm. <laughs> have, you, have you always been quite passionate about rugby or played rugby? or?
2: Yeah, yeah no, ever yeah. since I was a kid yeah, I remember yeah. getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch games with my dad You know, When the All Blacks were playing overseas and So I think probably just a normal young boy's upbringing in New Zealand um, So no, I always had a passion for it uh, And I was okay at playing But I was never going to make the team as a player So I got the next best job <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's quite
0: an important job
2: yeah, no, it team. is like the health of the athletes is it's pretty important because if you haven't got a healthy team and a and a fit team, um, then they can't do what they need to do, um, you know, on the field. So, yeah, no, it's um it's pretty full on when we're away. It's it's a it's a big job.
0: Yeah.
1: So, what kind of things do you actually do with the team? Do you focus on their diet and their workout kind of routines? Is that the main thing? Um,
2: it's it's a bit bigger picture than that. So we have a, we have a full time nutritionist. Um, so her and I work really closely together um, And we're talking daily about players um, So she's looking at the detail of what's what's been eaten um, And I'm basically look, working with the medical team and the coaches To plan each week To plan how we adapt to travel To plan how we get sunlight exposure To plan um, what we're going to lift in the gym How far we're going to run How long we're going to be in the field What sort of recovery sessions we're going to do um, so everything, so from the the minute they wake up to the minute they go to sleep, we've got a structure in place, and I sort of help coordinate that with the coaches and the medical team.
0: Wow, that's very, <laughs> there's mm. a lot to that, eh? Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah. There's, a lot, there's a lot going on.
0: And there's, yeah, it's probably, it probably throws a whole different, it sort of turns it upside down when you do so much travel and you're in different time zones and you've got to figure out how to sort of work with the challenge of jet lag and stuff like that right?
2: Oh absolutely because it affects how you learn, how you communicate, how you train, what you can do, it affects your recovery. Um, so yeah we've, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be have travelled a lot with a rugby team so we've got some I suppose some routines and structures that, that, that we've used and we think are successful so we just keep doing what we think's right But it's a juggling act For sure
0: Yeah Like what sort of stuff Like what are there, oh, Have you got like any When you're going to
2: get out In the sun Oh yeah. uh, well, the biggest thing Is you just have to Get straight into the new time zone mm. It's simple as that You get off the plane And it's straight away If it's 8 o'clock in the morning you, You've got a long day ahead of you Yeah um, And so we put things in place To keep guys out of their beds You know So We don't just say Oh please don't go to sleep We 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 put something on that they have to be at, so they can't go to sleep. Okay, because so, they
0: can't be trusted.
2: Well, it's just hard. It's hard. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, you I'm, want
0: a nap, don't you?
2: I've I've gone to my room at five o'clock in the afternoon, had a bath, thinking I'm fine, and mm. I've fallen asleep in the bath. You know, five o'clock. Um, so you just can't. It's not that you can't be trusted. So it's just very, very hard. Yeah. So you need some energy around you and something to focus on to keep your weight. Um, and even just. Um, I think the biggest learning is don't do. We, we try not to do too much early in the week when we get to where we're going to because because you don't sleep very well, your recovery is really poor. Mm-hmm. So you might feel alright training. You might you might run the house down. You might lift great weights, but because you sleep poorly, three or four days later you're fatigued from sleep and from the awesome training you did when you felt good. So yeah, we sort of avoid that sort of thing too.
0: Do you have a bit of a lead-up? Do you try and get over to a different time zone with enough time so that they sort of
2: can... In an ideal world, yes. Yeah. So, so with the All Blacks, so for the last few years, we've gone to Argentina, so we go a couple of days early because we don't have a game that weekend. But then we play Argentina, so that's a 24-hour trip, 24, 30-hour tra- 20, trip to get there, you know, like a nine-hour time shift. We play on the Saturday, so we're there for 10 days, so we get really adjusted to Argentina and then at nine o'clock in the morning, after the game, we have to do another thirty-hour trip to South Africa, another six-hour time shift, and then play at altitude. Oh, wow. So it's you know it's it's really tough. So you get to South Africa and you're a zombie, and you just got to try and get through the week. Um, and really, there's not a lot we can do other than get ready for Saturday. Um, you know, it's really about recovery and and, and I suppose um, adapting as quickly as we can to the new time zone.
1: These guys are pretty amazing, eh? Like, I complain about jet lag, but I don't have to play, you know, a, a professional sports game where most of the world is probably watching. So yeah, that's... and you've
0: just got, like, these sort of 100kg-plus cars running at you trying to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> so so that that's sort of not your only um, the only thing you do. You're not just involved with the All Blacks. You also do some stuff with individuals and corporates and... Weekend Warriors. Weekend
2: Warriors, yeah, absolutely. No, I work with quite a few people around the world, just people that contact me and... Um, I've, got a, I've got a guy at the moment um, in America who he's 49 and he's trying to lose 30 kilos and, and he writes me you know, a three-page email every single day about how he's feeling and, and it's just absolutely beautiful. i never met this guy um, but I feel so close to him um, and he's got major health issues. So, so I work with people like that but I suppose the biggest thing um, that I've been involved in the last few years is Air New Zealand. I help with the pilots and the cabin crew. So I do a bit of work with in New Zealand, which has been really good fun, and that sort of inspired me to write the book. Um, just working with all these different types of people of different ages, with different challenges in their life around shift work and family, and, and just understanding that you know it's actually pretty hard, and most people don't really know how to do it well. Um, and so yeah, I, I love doing that. I probably I probably enjoy helping normal people more than athletes because normal people you actually help in their life. And their health versus, oh, they can jump a bit higher and run a bit faster. Um, mm. You're actually having a bigger impact on them as a person. Yeah.
1: So just um, talking about your book, you've just uh, released a book a few months ago called Health Yourself. So Health Yourself, we've um, had a look through it and it's awesome. So it's more about kind of giving you the the tools to make your own decisions on health. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. Like I was, I was thinking about when I was walking here this morning, I was thinking um, – you know what's what's something that I'd like to get across to people if if the opportunity arose, and and that's where the book came from. Like I'm, I'm not the role model of health. Um, you know, I love like any normal person. I love all the good things. You know, I love wine. I love chocolate, popcorn, beer. Um, but what I've learned over time is that you don't need to give up things you love. And we had this talk earlier about cream and your coffee. You know, you don't need to give up things you love. Um, if it makes you happy and you enjoy it. It just means you've got to give something else up that maybe is not that important. So, um, you know, the book's about understanding or learning what you really, really love and then things that you don't really need. Um, and the best example I use is I'd rather have ice cream after dinner than rice with my curry, you know. And, and really, you know, that's, that basically means I'm going to give up all the carbohydrate at dinner so I can have a little bit of carbohydrate for dessert because that's what I love. Yeah, and it's as simple as that. Life should be like that, mm. you know. It's a balancing act. That's pretty much exactly me.
1: That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. up to a T. Yeah. Right there. yeah,
2: yeah, no. Um,
0: I I do the same thing. I I go for a sweet treat over sort of highly refined carbs with my meals because yeah. I
2: enjoy them far more. Well, mentally, it's it, mm. it's, it makes you happy, right? So yeah. why why starve yourself of things you love and make you happy when there's other stuff in your day that really they just part of your day because it's a bad habit. That's you so know, true.
1: Yeah, because I guess your health is is about what you do most of the time, right? Like that's what really affects it. So, so the things that your little ice creams after dinner and stuff—it's not gonna be kind of make or break, really. Mm. Yeah. No,
2: no, one little treat, one little treat during the day. If you've eaten really well all day and done some exercise, gee, it's 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 a reward.
1: Yeah. Exactly. because like always think that like your mental health is so important. So you could be like ripped to shreds and never treat yourself, but be really unhappy, and also not that fun to be around in a social situation. You no. know, because because you got to have, have a bit of balance. and Nobody wants to be that guy in a social situation where you can't have anything. You know, so you, there's there's got to be a there's got to be a balance.
2: Yeah, and I, like just just on that, I like I think like I, I reckon it's like it's almost an extreme balance. It's almost like. You eat really, really well, but then eat really, really poorly to treat yourself. You know, and it's like it's okay mm. if that what's make you makes you happy and and you're healthy and fit. It's fantastic. You know, some of us work really, really hard and play really, really hard. Same sort of concept. It's interesting
0: that yeah, that extreme balance. I've never really thought about it like that, but that's yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah, it kind makes of, so much sense. I, it? I guess that's probably how we eat, Maddie. Like we we don't we kind of. I mean, for us, we tend to eat mostly, probably predominantly paleo most of the time, um, and then deviate off that every now and then for an, like a, a sweet treat or something like that. You feel and like a
1: pizza? Just have a pizza. Or a special yeah. occasion?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. but we, yeah, I say, but we we kind of stay away from that in between zone where we're just you know constantly having refined carbohydrates and sugars and stuff every day.
1: But it's mainly because it makes you feel really average. So, so I think that's yeah. why it's like the more that you start to eat well and kind of look after yourself, the less that you want to eat bad food because of how it makes you feel. It's like, oh, I could have that almond croissant or something, but I've got a big day. I don't really want to be tired and feeling, mm. you know, like shit basically. Yeah,
2: and it's that in-between zone that's dangerous because you're not doing anything right. You're just, you're just floating, and that's where most people are at. Most people think they eat really well. And you um, get used
1: to feeling average, right? Yeah, and
2: it's just, oh, this is how I feel. Oh, I'm tired. I'm always tired. I'm well, you know, there's so many things that people can fix or address to tweak that, but they just need the knowledge.
1: One thing that I really like about your book is how you've you've put in kind of um, possible excuses or, or problems that people might have with different things, whether it's nutrition or exercise, and you've put solutions to each one. And that's quite different because there's a lot of um, health and wellness books around, and a lot of them are just kind of like, here's what you need to do, cool, go do it. Um, but they don't really take into account the problems that people have. Mm. So I really like that you've laid out solutions in each chapter. Be like, okay, well if this is too expensive, try this, or you know you've you've got an injury, try try this. It's yeah,
2: well that's, that's good. You got that out of it because I think that that's the key, isn't it? Because most books are he's a he's a prescription. If you do this, you'll be fine. But basically, it's it's a, it's a program that people won't stick to because it's not going to make them happy. So we've got to we've got to figure out what are our little Issues and excuses, and see how we can work around them or through them, and yeah, that's that's mm. great.
1: Do you have any tips for people that they can start today? Just like maybe three quick tips how they can Im- improve their health and lifestyle.
2: Yeah, I think um, it's yeah, just on your first point about people know how to eat well. Like that, that, what I've what I've learned over the last few years is I don't think people do. Um, people put far too much fuel in their body. For how much work they're doing Simple as that So you know if we were a car We'd be overflowing with petrol all day Most people Because we're eating all this white crappy food That's full of energy And most of us are sitting on our butt And so that's the biggest issue um, So it's not a matter of Going out and exercising more It's not a matter of just starving yourself Of the calories um, You know I think it's a matter of trying to look at The balance of the day and saying well you know, one have I got lots of colour in every meal, um, and that's nothing new. Lots of colour, um, get rid of all the refined simple sugars and carbohydrates because that's they're full of energy and nothing, no nutrients that are good for you. Um, and they probably and, and get a little bit more active. So again, it's not rocket science, but um, the the three simplest things. And and most people who think they eat well, if you ask them what they have for breakfast, they'll still be having. Wheat bix and milk and orange juice, which is just pure carbohydrate and pure energy. And then they're getting hungry at 10.30. So they're having a big coffee full of energy, full of milk, maybe a muffin. Okay, So there's been no protein, there's been very few good fats, no colour. And most people for lunch would have a a sandwich of some sort. So again, more energy and it's lunchtime, no one's done anything. We've got very few nutrients into our body, no protein, no good fats. But uh, eat, people are eating well, so mm. that's the issue. Mm. That is normal. That is normal, and that's what we got brought up as kids. Um, I'm a bit older than you guys, but brought up as kids on so bread, Wheat wheatbreads, and meat and three veg. Milo and one of the, and Milo and <laughs> yeah. one yeah. one of the veggies is always, or one of the the carbohydrate on your plate is always the biggest pile. Yeah. Okay, yeah. as a kid, big pile of mashed big pile of rice, big pile of pasta, mm. and that's that's normal, and that's what most people thinks healthy.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I fit into that as well. I was, That was how I used to eat. Um, and I used to think it was healthy. And, like, were you the same when you grew up? Or?
2: Totally, yeah. totally. And it wasn't until maybe, I don't want to tell you my age, but maybe, um, I don't know, 20 years ago that I realised, actually, I'm exercising really well, and I'm eating what I think's really well, but I wasn't going anywhere, you know? I was just constantly tired. And it wasn't until I actually... Did a bit of my own reading and, and, and research and realised, well, actually, if I just removed that, um, let's see what happens. And all of a sudden, my training gains went through the roof, as in I got a lot leaner and got fitter um, because I was carrying less weight. And so it was almost self-experimentation that I figured this out for myself. And that's, again, what I put in the book is you've got to figure out your own stuff. we all We all love and crave different things we'll respond differently to fats and carbs and proteins we'll respond differently to exercise so we've got to figure out well how does that work for us and it changes as we get older you know I, as I'm getting older I need to eat far less
0: okay I, yeah oh, That's it's just
2: and you see it all the time like, like I work with I've worked with people or seen numbers from people that I've worked with where every year you know is a kilo of body weight you know, so you, you you meet a 25 year old pilot and at 45 he'll be 20 kilos heavier. And it's just normal again it's normal. Mm. A kilo of body weight. Why? Because people are still eating what they were eating when they were young, but we're doing less and less. Mm. You know. I'm not necessarily doing less and less, but um, I'm definitely not needing to eat as much as I used to as a young as a young man growing and being busy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Back to those um, grains for breakfast like your wheat bix and your you know sandwiches and stuff. Do you do you think that that's the Food pyramid really, really affected people's health because they, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, big time. Because they put grains
0: at the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They recommended. Yeah. I think it was at one point seven servings of, um, yeah, carbohydrates a day. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah,
2: and 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 there's still there's still traditional and conventional guidelines that will still suggest some of that. Mm. Um, I think the probably the probably the thing that's probably more uh, enforced or suggested now is protein in most meals, mm. whereas that didn't used to be the case. Um, and people are, you know, there's more suggestion to have healthy fats more often. But colour, like as a kid, when did we ever have colour in our breakfast?
1: Very beige, you know, maybe
2: apricot, apricots, which again is sugar <laughs> yeah. and yeah. the syrup. You know, like it's um, we just the, the nutrients in breakfast is in, in New Zealand are just lacking. You know, I either have no breakfast, a smoothie, or um. A very good breakfast, you know, bacon, eggs, avocados, spinach, salmon, the works. Color, protein, fat. Mm -hmm. Um, But very rarely do I have carbohydrate because I don't need it. Yeah.
0: No, and I mean it's it's marketing as well. It's just been marketed to us for since we've been since we were born that you need those refined carbohydrates throughout your day, or at least at breakfast.
2: To, to get healthy. you through, it's, yeah. it's, it's, to get you through, and it's like yeah. get you through what you're not doing anything. <laughs> I'm literally you know, like,
1: driving in my car to sit at yeah, another place. I don't need <laughs>
2: breakfast to sit in my car. Sit down <laughs> for, for nine hours, right? Like, and I definitely don't need a guts full of carbohydrate. No, you know, and and that's the problem. And the problem with carbohydrates, in my opinion, and this is just from me personally, is that it makes you want more carbohydrate. Mm. As soon as you get rid of them, you don't want them, you don't need them, and you don't. You feel great. But as soon as you get on that that insulin rebound cycle of of craving sugar, all of a sudden you have that trough in the afternoon. You want a morning tea. You want a snack. You're just you're hungry all the time. Mm. You get rid of that simple fuel, and you you, you can eat whenever you feel like it.
0: Do you reckon there's like an, a, a length of time that you need to kind of like try and cut them out for until you stop craving them?
2: Oh, have you, have like, you found that I, with any people? honestly? The the um, I don't think there is. I think it depends on each person's mental capacity, you know, um, to be disciplined. But most of the, like I went through an experiment on myself, um, what do I mean, what do I mean about 15 years ago? Yeah, well, oh, maybe 12 years ago, called The Warrior Diet. Have you heard The Warrior Diet?
0: No.
2: Um, is that a diet you have like one meal a day? Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. It's a book it's in, and it's written about the Roman Empire where the Romans walked the world conquering countries, right? So they just walked and then they'd destroy a civilization and take over that country and then He's feast savage. feast and party that night. And if you picture a Roman in your in your in your brain, it is this ripped warrior, this most amazing physique, you know, in the world. Mm. That's what we all have in our in our mind, is this amazing physique. And so this book was written a little bit of tongue in cheek, but it was about that type of eating where eat once. But feast. Mm. And so I tried it, and um, I lasted about two weeks. And the most fascinating thing I learned out of it was that I went from normal eating. Um, it was probably the, the turning point for me. Um, I went from normal eating to, to going until 10 o'clock. Oh, man, I'm hungry. I haven't had breakfast. You know, The next day, 11 o'clock. Okay, I'm hungry now at 11. Every day, the point where I got really hungry moved an hour. Every day until I was getting to about 3 or 4 p.m., then I was hungry. So it shifted. It took, took, what, 10 days to go from missing breakfast and lunch and only having dinner. The the time I got hungry just shifted, and all I had to do was busy my mind, like get busy doing something in that hunger spot, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm not hungry anymore. And so it was a habit. The habit was the body wants food at 8 a.m., because that's when you have breakfast. But if I just told it I wasn't, a week later, 10 days later, I wasn't hungry at breakfast time, you know, and then I had to battle through lunch um, and then change that. And so it was just purely routine and habit that I had to change. And the messages went, you know.
1: It's really interesting because I guess a lot of the time we just eat because it's time to eat. Like, oh, it's, it's 12 o'clock. I'm going to have lunch now. I'm not hungry, but this is what we do, you know.
2: <laughs> it's like an internal alarm. Eh? It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's lunchtime. we well, actually, are you hungry? Don't yeah. eat if you're not hungry. Like that's the other thing I don't get is people eat when they're not hungry. Why eat when you're not hungry?
0: That's right. I mean, you, just... <clears throat> your body knows. But I think the thing is, like, um, we don't know when we're hungry and when we're not hungry. No, because, I was just, just going to say because that. you know, back to your point, like you, you're not really. You went training your like your stomach to not be hungry. You're training your retraining your mind. Because that was what was actually making you hungry, right?
2: That, that's right, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like our body's actually against us a little bit because it sends us these messages of you're hungry when actually you're not. It's a it's a message that maybe is ingrained internally upstairs, mm-hmm. or the, the 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 stomach is saying, "Hey, this is normally when I get something put in here." Um, either way, um, mentally or physiologically, we get this message that we need food. Cause give me a break. like we could be on an island for a week and not need food. you know mm. we don't need food. that's the problem. People think we need to eat all the time to to fuel ourselves. We've got so much fuel stored. we don't need to eat. No. you know all the time. like we've been told to or educated to. So it's understanding how to decipher the the stomach message and the brain message of eating and if it's actually a true message or is it thirst? or is it habit and routine? Often it's thirst. You know, you try drinking a liter of water when you think you're hungry, and all of a sudden you're gone. that hunger's gone. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so so it's another good little tip for people. Was same as coffee. F- craving a coffee? Just try having water. If you're thinking you're having too many coffees, because often it's the body wanting some fluid. Yeah,
0: that's the, um, that whole thing about trying to figure out, understand your brain, and understand the relationship between hunger is. It's quite interesting, and I sort of I, I think it's something that everyone should experiment with because. Um, I had a similar experience to you where I, I went out and I was, and I was going to try and do a one day fast. So, my first, no, sorry, I was just going to fast till lunchtime, till 12 o'clock. And the first day I did it, um, I made it to 11 o'clock and I was like, nah, I can't do this. I've got to eat. I was like, nah, this is not for me. And so I, I broke my fast. I only made it to 11 o'clock. I was like, nah, okay, I'm going to give it another go. And so then the next day I made it to 12 o'clock and I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do it. Um, And then, you know, subsequent to that, I've then, uh, I've gone on and I've done sort of like one day fast and I do a one day fast every now and then um, and then to two day fast. And then I did a a five day fast a few months ago. Um, And throughout the whole process, it's made me really, the the main thing that I took away from it is just how I, um, the way that we look at food, the way that we think about food and how we, we seriously don't need nearly as much as we need and, we don't need to eat at these set times because, like, our whole society is based around socializing around food. Meal times. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting thing. And when I do fast on these days off, I find I've got like so much more time. Not only is my brain kind of firing a bit faster, but I find that I've I've got because generally around every meal, you probably will put at least half an hour into finding a place to eat or cook, like making your meal, and then half an hour of eating. So that's like an hour. So say you have three meals a day, that's three hours. So I found, you know, on those days when I was fasting, I had three extra hours to do stuff. It it's awesome. liberating, eh? It's, yeah. li- it's
2: liberating fasting or not being dictated by mealtime mm. and only eat when you need to eat. Um, you do plenty more time, but fast, more stable energy. Um, yeah. that, that point about the your brain feeling more active, um, there's an awesome docu- BBC documentary called Eat Fast and Live Long. I don't know if you two have seen it, but I've seen it, yeah. fantastic, Doco, and it's a, looking at what's happening when people fast or, or don't eat. And the biggest thing I got out of it was they they did this experiment on these rats, who they had a fasted rat and a rat that was eating three times a day. And the thing they found was that the brain activity in the fasted rat was hyperactive. It was just like totally excited the whole time, and this brain activity in this rat that's eating three times, was like dull. You know, it was just like slow and cruisy. And it was actually an exact example of what we happens to us. And the scientists were trying to explain it, and they couldn't really explain it, other than it being evolutionary, in that if you think about how we've evolved from hunters and gatherers, you know, if we were sleepy and dozy all the time, there's no way we are going to kill an animal. We'd miss it. It would run away before we could get it. Whereas if you have fasted and were hungry and starving, the brain is like, it is wired up you're to go. To you're going to get it, you know, because you need to. So it's like survival. And so that's what you experience. When you're not eating all the time or too much, you're far more energetic, you know. And again, people aren't experiencing that enough themselves. It's like too hard basket. Um, and you mentioned art, you know, you only got to 11 o'clock. That's just normal. Most people... Yeah, I'm gonna fast, and they will get to morning tea. Oh, why do I want to do that? <laughs> you know, like, but you've just got to, you've just got to. Um, I suppose, um, again, thinking about before I came in here, like some days I don't eat until dinner time. Some days I'll only have a couple of smoothies during the day, and then the normal dinner. Some days I will feast all day. You know, and I don't have any rules other than just thinking about what I got on and what I'm doing and what I need to put in, what I feel like. And, and I sort of, um, again, I'm not the role model of health, but I'm really happy. Um, and I love food. So, you know, I think somewhere in there is a nice balance to try and experiment to find out your way.
1: Yeah. Cause I think another great thing about fasting is that it puts you back in touch with your own body because I guess in modern society, generally we're pretty out of touch with our bodies. Like if something goes wrong, we, we kind of go to the doctor and get a pill to fix it. Um, whereas um with fasting cuz you're starting to differentiate between when you are actually hungry and when your brain's telling you you're hungry and it it, it just helps you to listen to your body a little bit more because cuz your body's always telling you something right but you just kind of talk over it a little bit
2: like yeah. I couldn't agree more like that's exactly exactly what it is it's like this 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 ability to understand when you need to eat versus when you're used to eating, you know, like understand it's massive.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, and, and like when, um, yeah, talking about when you need to eat. I mean, I actually I, I think there's some um, study on the longest fast ever, which was like over a year.
2: Have you wow. read that? Yeah, it
0: was this. Um, you're doing that
2: next year when you do yeah, that. Yeah,
0: that'd be me. <laughs> No, it's it's some guy. He was a, he was a doctor and he was severely overweight. He fasted for yeah, over a year and he was um he was he was fine. I think he was probably not like that healthy by the end, but he didn't die, which is pretty amazing.
1: That is pretty incredible. And
0: um and it, like I always um I sort of it when I started fasting, it changed my whole perception of how much food we need. And I um this last one when I did a five day fast, I was like I decided to exercise throughout just to see how it goes, and on the third day, I went for like a 7K run, and I was like, I, I was okay for the first 6Ks, but then on the last K, I sort of yeah. definitely noticed I didn't have enough, uh, nearly as much energy as I yeah. normally would, but I was still like quite amazed that after, you know, having not eat, eaten for three days, I was still able to run, and, you know, and run all right.
2: And that, that's actually, um, that leads into a nice point about fueling exercise, because, I think, again, there's a misconception that I'm exercising. Gee, I better eat after that. You know, so like I think a lot of people will decide to get healthy so they'll start exercising, but then they'll eat more to fuel the exercise, which is sort of defeating the whole purpose. Um, So, you know, what um, people need to be thinking about is, you know, if you're running for 7K and starting to feel like you're running out of energy, then, hey, maybe there is an opportunity to put some fuel in before you go for your run. Um, but if you're not running out of energy, um, you, you, it's because you're using plenty of that you got stored, right? So people need to not rush in from a five-kilometre run and have this huge protein shake full of juices and energy because you're probably eating twice as much as what you've just burnt running. So again, think about your body as a car, you know? And so you had fasted for five days, so you were, you were depleted, you know? So um, there's, a, there's an opportunity to fuel that, but most people don't need to fuel for exercise. They're not doing enough. I mean, I can, I can. When I'm training for Iron Man, I can do, I can do five or six hours of training, um, with no breakfast, um, and just fueling every twenty minutes what I need to burn for that twenty minutes. It's just I'm just treating my body like a car. I don't need to have this big breakfast, you know, to, before I train, like, and I don't have to have a big lunch that I've missed when I get home. You know, I just need to put the calories in that I've burnt and then wait for dinner. Um, so I think it's a, yeah, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of an issue. Again, people think they're doing the right thing because of marketing, but, yeah, we don't need to do it like that.
1: Here's a quick message from our sponsor, Subaru. Well, it's no secret that both you and I bloody love Subaru. We both drive them.
0: Yep, that's no secret.
1: Well, I drive a Subaru Forester and that one car of the year last year in 2018. It's a medium SUV and you may ask, what does a medium SUV mean? Well, it means you get all the good stuff of an SUV of like feeling, you know, quite cool and high up in your big car. But it's a lot easier to to drive around the city and it's a lot easier to park, which is a big one for me. I mean, I kind of need all the help I can get in that department.
0: Mm, Yes, I'd agree with that. Well, okay, I can understand why that one car of the year.
1: Mm. And it's super safe, it's comfortable and it's full of tech. Some of that tech exclusive to Subaru.
0: Wow, like what?
1: Well, like the driver recognition system. So, for example, if you get in my car and drive it, which sometimes happens, and you change all the settings, you're putting the chair back, you're turning the mirrors, and then if I get back in the car, it's going to scan me, know who I am, and put all my settings back in place automatically.
0: That is quite cool tech. I
1: know, it's super epic. And what do you drive?
0: Outback. Thoughts? Outback. Love it. It's the people's car, the car of New Zealand. Why is that? Well, it does everything. You can you drive around the city, it's all-wheel drive, you can shoot up the mountain, it's got built-in roof racks, chucks and boards on the roof, head down for a surf, big enough space in the back, you can go on road trips. You can, I've slept in the back, it's that big.
1: Yeah, that is actually impressive because you're quite tall, aren't you?
0: Mm, correct. So go on, go check out one for yourself. Visit Subaru.co.nz to check out the Subaru range and find an SUV to suit your lifestyle. And unlike Auckland's house prices, they're totally affordable.
1: So are you training for anything at the moment? Do you have any, anything
2: um, Yeah, I've entered um, Ken's Ironman in June. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I haven't sort of started. I'll start in the new year after the festive season.
1: Yeah, it's,
2: <laughs> it's a little hard to be training over December, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, January will kick in.
0: Yeah. How, yeah. Do, you, how, how do you find time to uh, train for something like that? Because it's a lot of time training with all the travel and everything
2: you do. Oh, this will be my sixth in a row, I think, and um, – I basically have figured out that I need one decent day a week. So I'll try and, and I'll do it while my girls are at school. So I'll try and do a Thursday or Friday where I'll have that day off work and I'll just train all day and then I'll catch up on my work at night or morning or in the weekend. So I just need one big day and that builds from sort of four hours through to a couple of weeks out from my man, I'll do like a nine hour day. Um, you know, swim bike run. So I'm basically doing like a mini Ironman Man each week. It just builds every week, and I just do that. So I do the I do hour every other day, but that's that's normal. Well, mm. should be normal. Yeah. So it's really just one big day. Yeah. But I love it. It's just. Oh,
0: Good on you. Yeah.
1: That's great. I've never actually thought to do something like that. Just do your own little mini Ironmans, Mans, you know, on on every, a whole day leading up to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I mean, you kind of have to when you're training for something like that, I guess. Yeah. You know? mm. Yeah. True. Yeah, and so, but going back to you just said, you know, you know, should be doing sort of one hour a day. Like, what do you think people? Yeah, what do you think ideally people should be doing? How how much activity oh, like, should they be having?
2: Again, it's exercise is difficult because if, if if you two told me to to do a forty minute CrossFit every second day and a one hour run every other day, um, it would last three days because I don't necessarily enjoy CrossFit, and I don't like just running to a set distance or time. Um, So my recommendation is we have to find something we enjoy, otherwise we won't keep doing it. So we have to figure out what activity, whether that's swimming, social soccer, um, hiking, walking, um, running, cycling, whatever it is that you enjoy doing, Because if you enjoy it It's likely to stay in your day Or stay in your week You know And you'll make time for it So many people Exercise is the last thing That they get to do in the day It should be the first thing You know Like if you want to be a better Mum, dad, husband, wife, granddad Then if the healthier and happier you are The better person you'll be for your loved ones And so I think You know You've got to invest time into yourself And it should be number one priority You know Number one priority should be what activity makes me happy and makes me feel good? You know, I was talking to you, Art, about me having a big day yesterday, but, you know, at 5 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, the sun was just peeping through, so I got up and shoveled mulch for three hours just just out of the blue, you know, and I absolutely loved it. I was sweating, it was really hard work, um, shoveling, and that's my exercise for the day. Um, loved it. it, wasn't a chore, it wasn't boring, and so people need to find what, gets them out of bed, you know, and, and they come back into the house beaming with energy and, you know, my wife will often say to me if I'm if I'm struggling a bit, a bit tired or grumpy or stressed, she'll just give me, hand me my running shoes and say, go, you know, because she knows when I come back after a run, I feel amazing and I can do anything. Um, so I think, yeah, just I don't think it's a matter of what's minimum or what's maximum, but regular activity, you know, four or five times a week you need to be doing something. Um, and whether that's socially, whether that's with your daughter, um, you just got to be doing something and it's got to be something you enjoy.
1: Yeah, so true. Social sports is a great one, isn't it? Because it's just – it. you get so much out of it more than just the exercise. You get that teamwork, new, new mates. It's just so fun, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're huge, huge fans of social sports. And,
2: and that's like as, – as parents too, like that's something that I've had to try and push with my daughters is – they're not really competitive. They don't want to win. You know, they don't love sport. They're like dad. They're not talented. They're just they're just grafters. Um, but they love the social side of it. Yeah. And so it's just get out there and I don't care if you win, you lose, as long as you're having fun. And and you know they're having fun if they want to keep good doing it. And so I think, yeah, the social side of it, especially for young people, it's the only way we can keep people active. Um, you know, and and these kids that are you know, doing three sports and doing 20 hours a week, you know, what do they do when they finish school? They stop because mm. they've, they've had a guts full. They want some free time. And, and so we've got to get the balance right there for the kids too.
1: So true. And just in terms of um, exercise for men and women, do you think there's a different approach or would you say exercise is exercise?
2: Um, yeah, good question. Yeah. Um, um, I think the, the the approach, the general approach should be pretty similar in that it's about energy in, energy out. Um, but a lot of people will look to spot fix, you know, the pe- men and women will look to men will be trying to get a six pack and women will be trying to lose or get some shape somewhere, you know, and I think that end of the day it's it's a really fine balance between how well you're eating and the type of activity you do. Um, you know, so sitting on a bike in a gym for anyone, it's probably nowhere near as good as walking up some big hills, you know. Um, you know, so it's a type of exercise is important regardless of gender. You know, weight bearing for women is probably more important than it is for men uh, with osteoporosis, etc., and calcium. So I think the only thing that I'd suggest would be women should have tried to have an emphasis on some load-bearing exercise, you know, so so walking and jogging, um, just to keep bones stimulated and strong, um, especially through, you know, midlife. Right. So, so yeah, so just on
0: that, so the notion with that is that, um, so doing low bearing activities and sort of um, things that maybe have a bit of impact, it sort of makes the bones stronger so that then... Come later in life, they're not going to have problems with osteoarthritis and that's osteoporosis. Right. And it's a, It's it's yeah. it's the
2: the way to keep bones strong is to is to stress it with a little bit of impact. So that's walking and, and jogging, um, or aerobics, or you know some of those things. It's not just sitting on a bike or swimming. Yeah. So there's no there's no load on the skeletal system which you need. Mm.
1: That's interesting. And then just one more question. This is you know for myself. Um, I. Don't really enjoy high intensity. So, can you still get the same kind of results than that you would from high intensity workouts re- a few times a week?
0: Results you're talking what like fat loss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. fat
1: loss, um, muscle tone. Even though that's kind of kind of a broad word, but um, yeah, can you still get results from um, yeah so low intensity? Yeah,
2: no, I know exactly we're talking about. It's um, I'm the same. I don't really like high intensity mm-hmm. stuff. Um, only thing I like about high intensity is that it's time efficient. Yeah. You know, you bang for buck, you get 20 minutes, and you get a hell and you're of a workout. Good, yeah. But all the science, all the literature around the two forms of exercise, so endurance was long and slow versus short and intense. Mm. The, the difference is the long and slow, you're burning fuel during the session. You're burning calories during the session. You're burning fat, okay? Um, and so to burn, you know, a handful, you might need to exercise for 90 minutes. Um and then the minute you stop exercising, metabolism goes back to baseline pretty quickly. High intensity exercise, it's shorter, so you'll only burn a palmful of fat, okay, or energy. But metabolism is elevated for longer.
1: Right.
2: So at the end of the day, it's still going to be about fuel in, and then how much you burn in that session. Um, so it will come down to nutrition. Mm-hmm. So there's no issue with long and slow. Um, it just, you've, you're only burning energy while you're doing it, right. as opposed to elevating metabolism afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably the, the key difference. Yeah. You know, that's probably the key difference. So, really, find out what you like and stick to it. Um, but then, if you're not getting the gains you need, then look at what energy's been put in.
0: Mm. Cool. Yeah, and it really is a key finding something that you like. Do you reckon that's also really good to find um, maybe an event to train for or something? yeah something to train for. Do you find that helps?
2: Yeah, just can I come back to that? Maddie, just back on that question too. I think the, the only thing I'd say also is that if you wanted to be really, really lean and ripped um, versus lean or skinny, okay, yeah. if, if, if I can try and illustrate this for you. A marathon runner is light and small. A sprinter is lean and ripped. Different types of exercise. Yeah. So you typically find the high-intensity exercise will produce the leaner specimen, Um, but you can be – Smaller and slight By doing endurance exercise yep, Does it sort sense. of make sense mm, yep, Yeah, definitely. So, makes and, sense. and if you look at uh, Different types of athletes That's what they look like mm. And so In rugby teams It's exactly the same The guys that sprint a lot Are the ones that are lean And have a six pack The guys that lift a lot And jog around a bit Tend to not Yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah That um, makes sense uh, What was that That was about um, oh,
0: I, was just, I was just thinking Do you find it's, it's good to um, Have something to train for oh, For people Oh man
2: totally yeah, absolutely. The like I, I, only reason I do an man is because otherwise um, I don't have anything that scares me or inspires me to get out of bed and do stuff when I don't feel like it. Mm. Um, so I always encourage people to find something that not, doesn't have to be super scary, but um, I've got a group of mates that I went to university with. I've known these guys for 20, gee, how long is it now? 25 years we've known each other. And we meet up once a year to do one of the big runs around New Zealand. So every year it's a different run. Um, we're doing Arthur's Pass, this, uh, Arthur's Pass this summer. And it's awesome. i am always got something on, so I'm always fit. But these guys, when we first started doing it, were, you know, unfit. They weren't the healthiest men. And every year now they have this thing that they have to get ready for. Mm. Because the boys are all getting ready for it, and yeah. we're all around scattered around the country.
1: And they think, "Oh God, I've got to do it with Nick Gill." No, no, it's not like
2: that at all. But but it's interesting because they've they've figured out what they need to do to stay fit and stay healthy. Because there's this one thing they need they do each year. Um, it's social. It gets them out of bed. It makes them think about, "Oh, gee, it's summertime, better to start running." Um, so I think people need something to to dig their teeth into. Yeah. A lot of people get a bit scared by that, um, you know, but it can be as simple as, you know, running 10 kilometres. Um, but if you don't have a, a line in the sand, like a target, I think it's very hard to stay motivated, mm-hmm. especially through winter. It's very hard. You know, life is busy, life is full on, energy goes up and down, stress goes up and down, mood swings. And so we need something that, you know, we're moving towards. Um, like for me, if my goal was to, um, lose body fat or lose weight, I wouldn't do anything about it. It would last one day in my mind, mm. you know. Like it doesn't doesn't inspire me, doesn't excite me, doesn't challenge me, because well, who cares if I don't? Yeah. Versus, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this time, and all of a sudden, I've put pressure on myself to nail it. Um, people are expecting me to nail it. Um, you know if. If as a young parent, you tell your kids you want to do a half marathon, and like you're going to inspire them, but now that they are waiting for you to do it, there's pressure on you to get out of bed and go for a run, you know, yeah. and stay healthy for them. So I think I think it's really really important A target a goal that that is a little bit challenging. And sort of com- like combining that with, um, you know, you talked about the
0: sprinter and the um, the long distance runner. I guess from like an aesthetic point of view, if someone wanted to, um, maybe they did want to change their body to look a certain way or to you know maybe be a bit leaner or a bit more muscular and you know perhaps maybe they could find uh, some sort of event or a competition where you see like those sort of athletes are you know exhibit that body shape that you're kind of after and then maybe that could be something you could try and train for
2: yeah absolutely so that's you see that the people doing it and and if that's what you're after then then maybe maybe into that sort of mm. thing. Yeah, I think so. The only thing with that though is that often, especially for weekend warriors, um, you know, people doing a half marathon aren't always a picture of health. Yeah. But gee, imagine what they were like before they did it. Mm. Mm. You know, so so you can't really. I, I think if you look at the winners of those events, yes, but they're typically freaks you know mm, yeah they're not yeah. normal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you sort of have to be careful there but but I think you know like definitely if you're if you're talking about being very muscular and lean then you wouldn't you wouldn't be trying to be a do a 5k event you know like you'd need to be lifting weights and doing some high intensity work and 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 doing that sort of thing versus just pounding the pavement um, so I think it does have to come back to what is it that's important is it how you how you look? how you feel or what you actually enjoy. And those three points should help you decide where you want to go Yeah, and keep coming back to them because I honestly, I don't care how I look, I care how I feel. If I feel good, then whatever I'm doing is right, you know? And um, if I'm feeling too tired, I haven't got the balance right. Um, If I'm too heavy or some jeans are a bit tight, I haven't got the balance right. So... Yeah, I think it's more, as long as I feel good, it's important.
0: Yeah, that's huge, eh? And and um, and that's all about learning to kind of listen to your body, I guess. And because in your book you talk, um, Maddie touched on it before, about the experiments that you kind of, because um, you, you're you all about um, experimenting with your body and just kind of, um, was it, like the N equals one yeah, experiments? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, N equals one experiments are basically experiments with your body. Yep. Um, and... Are there some um you know have you got some sort of experiments that you'd like you think would be cool for like most people just to try out and how to do them with oh, a Like, like or We activity? were talk- we were
2: talking about it earlier like you know sometimes there's things you know that you are you've got in your day that that maybe aren't the best for you mm. and so I think it's um I think it's a matter of prioritizing or thinking about one thing that you'd like to change and it being uh, you know there's a meaningful reason for the change so um, what's a good example? good example, I, I got told this the other day, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, a lot of people will stay up till 11 or 12 o'clock watching crap on TV and then only getting six hours sleep and then being too tired to get up and exercise before they go to work. And the the example given to me was, would you get up at 4 a.m. to watch that TV if you went to bed early, <laughs> okay? yeah. And I guarantee no one would do that. Yeah. The TV, the, you're up because you're up. It's just what you do. It's just so go to bed early. Set a, set a time to go to bed. You know, like get a certain amount of sleep so you can get the get the best out of the next day. So that's one little example. Is ask yourself, do I need to watch this, or could I, would I set my alarm tomorrow morning for am to get up and watch it instead? <laughs> no way. No. Okay. Um, things like replacing rice and pasta with vegetables. So I just replace rice with broccoli, simple as that. So I can have more broccoli and it's loaded with vitamin C and I'm not getting the same energy hit, but I'm still satisfied and full. Um, so little things like that is what I do, you know, little experiment, try that, okay. Um, likewise, try not having a dense carbohydrate breakfast. Do you really need bread? Like, like what, what, what does bread taste like? What does rice, by itself, what does bread taste like? Rice... Pasta, what does it taste like? What does potato taste like by itself? Unless it's baked in oil and covered in salt, it tastes like crap. Because they're
1: just fillers, really, aren't they? It is fillers. Yeah. Yeah. It is They're holders for so, other things. So yeah. I
2: think, yeah, there's, there's loads of experience. You go on and on and on. Like if you're having a muffin at morning tea, try not having a muffin at morning tea for a week. See if you really miss it. You won't. You won't. So I think um, we've all got different experiments we can do, and I think the key thing is learning about yourself, but keep doing it. Because it because it just changes, man. Changes like every year, it changes. What you crave, what habits you've fallen into, um, that that are now not necessarily good habits to have. Um, so you know, we're 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 a moving beast. We're a dynamic organism. We need to we need to keep experimenting how we how we operate and how we feel the best because um, it changes
0: it Totally, totally changes because it's like I think a lot of people think about health as this sort of end goal but it's not it's just this continual journey that's continually evolving it doesn't
2: right? stop you yeah. never make it you know you never make it and that's why every year I have to reset and calibrate and figure out okay what's next year going to hold for me because it's just everything changes you know sometimes you get an injury jobs change family changes you know travel for you guys, changes. You know, um, you know, so many things change. So our life changes, and we have to adapt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And then just to wrap up, we ask um, our final question, and that is: if you could have only three foods for the rest of your life, what would those three
2: oh, foods be? <laughs> three <laughs> foods. Okay. Um, avocado would be would be first, of course, because I grow them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually. And the second one would be, I've got chickens, so eggs Mm -hmm. for my chickens. Um, And ideally, and I've joked with my missus about this, um, salmon. Like I'd love a little salmon pond. Mm
0: -hmm. Like I don't want
2: to leave my property basically. I just want to stay on my property and eat off the land, you know. So avocados, you can have it every meal. Eggs, you can have every meal. And I just love salmon. Cooked, Mm -hmm. you can have it every meal as well. So that'd be my three go-tos. Yeah, I like Um, that. And obviously water. Yeah, yeah. But if, allowed, am I allowed? allowed. Am I allowed like a fourth? Like a fourth
1: and a fourth, and like
2: just as a, to keep this balance? What thing? would it be? Chocolate. Yep.
1: Uh, yes. yep. so
2: can, so yeah. Oh, yes. So to yeah, keep that's the allowed. balance, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, all totally. the good food, and then your treat.
1: Yeah. You guys are so similar. I feel like that. Those are yours.
0: <laughs> those are pretty much mine. Except <laughs> I would have had. Um, I probably would have either had maybe I would have had chicken instead of the salmon. Oh, chicken. Yeah, yeah. or I would have had maybe. I remember,
1: there's no seasoning. So yeah, just bland
0: chicken. Tr- yeah, Exactly. Mm. Well, what well, are mm. you thinking you now? Well, I don't know, but I also think coconut because I just think about all the different ways you can have coconut, mm. like coconut milk, coconut water, coconut oil, coconut—like just so many different things.
1: Yeah,
2: versatile that one. It I mean, is- it's a, it's a loaded question. Yeah, and you've done well. Well, actually, that's pretty much my breakfast, right? Yeah, that's that's my go-to breakfast, and so I have that, and I don't feel like I need to eat until dinner time. Yeah. So if that's all I could eat, I could have that, you know, breakfast and at dinner. Happy days. Mm. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, um, hey, thanks so much for your time. We know you're busy, Um, and I think you're just going to run off now and go coach some athletes.
2: Meetings. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, but uh, where can people find your book, Health Yourself?
2: Oh, anywhere. Um, Bookstores, online. All good online. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, we picked our copy up at Paper
0: Plus. Yeah. We did.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think you get it online at Mighty Ape and stuff. I think you get it on iTunes and stuff too. So,
1: oh, Just anywhere yeah. that books are.
2: Yeah, just anywhere that books are. Just yeah, search it up and, and hopefully it helps you. Cool. Absolutely, and
0: what about um, tracking you down personally on social oh, media?
2: Yeah, um, Nick Gill Health and Performance Instagram and nickgill.com. Um, and yeah, I've got a website there that you can get in touch with me if you have some questions. Legend, cool. thanks so much Beautiful. for your time. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Yeah, thank you.
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of Well and Good with Art and Matilda, brought to you by Raw Collective, the podcast network behind the creation of this fantastic show.
1: And you'll find all updates on the Raw Collective Instagram as well as on their website, rawcollective.co. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends to give us a listen.
0: And if you didn't enjoy this podcast, then keep your mouth shut. No one wants to hear from you.
1: (laughs) And lastly, if you could please remember to subscribe to and rate this show. This ensures that other listeners can find the show too.